Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favor. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Take a seat in the pastor's office. This is Pastor Jonathan Mason back in the pastor's office with you this third Sunday afternoon in September. Uh, September is moving quickly. Uh, I will share this with you before we bring our guest on today. Uh, We are preparing to leave for Jackson, Mississippi. Now, now watch this. You may have heard on the news that the boil restrictions were lifted on Friday afternoon or Friday morning in Jackson. Uh, but having spoken to several people on the ground, several community members in the Jackson area, what all of them basically said is, Pastor Mason, ain't nobody drinking that water. And, and let me tell you why. Because it's chemically treated water running through the same corroded and broken pipeline system. Uh, so, and even if you listen to the governor, uh, on Friday at the end of the day, he didn't even sound confident that the fix that they placed with the chemical is going to last. He said, you know, there may be more breakdowns. Uh, he cautioned, uh, the viewers, the Jackson residents to recognize we still have a broken system. So over the last week before they lifted the ball restriction, you know, that we, been doing a drive to fill up two trailers. We have over 88,000 pounds of water uh, that we are delivering to the city of Jackson uh, on Monday. So the trailers are going to be leaving here this afternoon. They'll be there Monday at noon. We're flying down to meet them. And, you know, we're just going to be a blessing to the community because at the end of the day, we are all linked that we are not separate. Uh, what hurts one hurts the other. And if our brothers and sisters in Jackson are struggling, we're struggling too. Uh, so we'll keep you posted and talk a little bit more about that uh, as the week progresses. But I'm excited because this Sunday, uh, here in the pastor's office, I have my former city council member. Why do I say my? Because my church. Northeast Baptist Church, because the radio station, Philly's Favor, is located in Frankfurt, the historic Frankfurt section of Philadelphia. And we're going to be talking to our former city council member. Now, last week, you may remember, uh, we talked to council member Dome, former council member Dome. Now we are getting ready to talk to former council member Maria Quinones Sanchez. And let me say this, the first Latino uh, to be elected, uh, and and very excited uh, to speak to her. Now, I said former, former. Why former? She's been doing such a great job. Uh, Council Member Dome doing a great job. But there's a rule. There's a law in Philadelphia. 
that if you intend to run for mayor and you're hold and you hold a seat on the council, you have to resign in order to run for mayor. So there are four council members that have resigned their position so far. That is council member Sherelle Parker, council member Derek Green, council member Alan Dome, and council member Maria Quinones Sanchez. That being said, I want to welcome into the pastor's office former council member Maria Quinones Sanchez. Ma'am, welcome into the pastor's office. Come on in, let's talk a while. Thank you so very much for the opportunity, and thank you for always um, creating a forum and the space for conversations about not only what's going on today, but what needs to be going on tomorrow and what we need to be preparing for for the future. So I I appreciate it. Um, I'm incredibly humbled at the ability to have served for almost 15 years the 7th Councilmatic District, and in particular, Frankfurt, the workshop capital of Philadelphia. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, 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 Council Member, and and, and I hope I could call you that, Council Member Sanchez. You got to call me Maria now. I'm not a Council <laughs> Member. You get, you can call me Maria. So but maybe so, you might be able to call me Mayor Sanchez at some point. But so, please. So, 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 you know, I used to be international president of one of the historic uh, Greek letter organizations, and they always told me when I came, when I came out of office, I said, "Just call me John." They said, "No, no, no. Once a president." President, always a president. Always so, 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 so. I, I, I guess I'm saying, once a council member, always a council member. But I call you Maria you're still because president of Phi Beta Sigma, man. You're still president of Phi Beta Sigma. <laughs> that's okay, right. I that's got right. You now. That's right. But listen, listen, listen. Since we know each other, I'm gonna call you Maria. So, listen. Thank you. You had a historic run in the council. You resigned your position, obviously, to uh, seek the position of mayor of Philadelphia. Uh, why now? Why at this time, when you were continuing to do the work uh, for the communities that you represent? Well, thank you. Um, That is a a loaded question. And here's what I would say to you. Um, I have really enjoyed my time as a legislator and counsel. We've done many great things. There's a lot of great things happening with civic leaders. Uh, For instance, in Frankfurt, um, we won the approval of a Frankfurt health center at the Frankfurt Transportation Center, and we're working with the city and our uh, Frankfurt CDC. More to come on that. That is going to be a game changer for Frankfurt Transportation Center. Why did I make a decision to leave when I could probably would have just been able to run for re-election and won with support? Because you hit a feeling sometimes about what you can and cannot do and how you can and cannot impact. And many of you know um, my battles in neighborhoods like Kensington um, and other neighborhoods, and I've hit my feeling about what I can do as a council person. The failed containment strategy of Kensington, the racial discrimination, the injustices of the trapped community in Kensington can only be fixed by the executive and the mayor. And so I'm leaving because as much as I've enjoyed the work that I'm doing, fixing the racial, historical, discriminatory ways that departments have responded to historically black and brown communities like Kensington um, cannot be fixed unless you are mayor. The mayor ultimately controls the department and ultimately controls uh, the policy. And I am someone that believes that the city of Philadelphia, everyone in the city of Philadelphia needs to look at Kensington and say, 
why is this allowable in this neighborhood and nowhere else? And how can one small, poor community shoulder the burden of opioid addiction that, by the way, is plaguing cities and countries around the world? But why Kensington? Uh, I went to Mass Farm High School, so I spent my 10th, 11th, and 12th um, grade uh, on Kensington, on the avenue, sometimes walking up to uh, American Pants Company to Frankfurt Avenue, right, <laughs> when I can save up enough money. That's right. Um, it, we've always had challenges, but never like this. And Frankfurt, does, Frankfurt and Kensington deserve better, um, and I can only give them better as the executive. You know, you talked about the opioid addiction issue, and I, I've got to tell you, it never ceases to amaze me. I was actually talking to uh, a couple pastors about this just the other day, but the open-air markets that are allowed to exist right here in our community, just, uh, people, people just shooting up getting high, killing themselves. And I've never, nobody's ever been able to give me a good answer as to why we allow, And I, okay, I'm, I'm using the word allow as in we're just turning a blind eye to it, but why can't we get that stuff shut down? Help me. It is a failed containment strategy. I um, grew up in the 80s in, in the Honey Park community that I also proudly uh, represented. And in the 80s, when the crack epidemic hit, everybody got arrested. The user, the mom, houses got confiscated, right? And so things evolved 20 years later. We say, okay, criminal justice reform. We really can't arrest our way out of it, and I happen to agree with that. I think criminalizing a mental health condition is not where we want to go. But the, the alternative can't be we trap an entire neighborhood because we're not ready to meet people where they are and ultimately say that people can't openly just be on the streets. We have 800 non-Kensington residents living on the streets of Kensington because of what we allow them to do, open-air drugs, all of those types of things. And look, this is year five of Kensington. Every year during the budget, we talk about it. You know, Council Member Skula and I, who, re- who share the representation of that area, we have brought millions of dollars to bear we're working with our civic leaders who continue, and our civic leaders continue to do a great job. But I am tired. I am tired of uh, people thinking it's okay. You know, South Street had a shooting. You remember Pastor Mason? They had a shooting? Right, absolutely. They, they closed the street. They set a curfew. They put cops down there, and they said, no, we're not letting this happen. Well, guess what? Kensington has three shootings a day. That's right. And we want a little bit of that kind of attention. We want the mayor to tell us this is not tolerable. And an administration run by me would not allow this to happen. We have a citywide problem that we have allowed to be contained very badly in Kensington. And enough is enough. You know, I want to meet people where they are. I'm all for harm reduction. I'm all for treatment services. But I'm for all those young people. We had two shootings in Kensington the first week of school. When is enough enough? And I left city council because I said enough is enough. No one is going to run for mayor in the city who better understands the challenges of East Division than I am. And no one is going to be more committed to say this is not acceptable than me. That's why I'm running. You're listening to Philly's Favorite 100.7 FM, 99.5 HD3. We're talking to former City Council Member Maria Quinones Sanchez. Maria, let me ask you this question about guns. Uh, just a few weeks ago, a young man who was 
uh, baptized here at Northeast Baptist Church, a member of this church. He was shot by, he was shot in his arm. The bullet still lodged in his arm. Uh, his father was also shot at the same time. You know, shootings have become in many respects, uh, a constant in the Frankfurt section uh, of the city with a lot of them going unsolved. Uh, As mayor of Philadelphia, what would a Sanchez administration do to curb this wild, wild west atmosphere uh, that has developed all across our city? Yeah, I think in this particular space, again, you're going to hear from a lot of candidates who are going to have aspirational goals as someone who lived these challenges every every single day, there's a lot of things that we need to do. We have a demoralized police department. We have a recruitment challenge and an apartment that doesn't reflect the city of Philadelphia. And we have to invest in training um, and, and 21st century uh, community policing in, in the city of Philadelphia. But even more important than that, we have a criminal justice um, system, right, that includes the public defender's office, that includes the DA's office, that includes the courts, that includes our police department, that includes our prisons, that includes our state attorney general's office and our, and our U.S. attorney general's office. It is the mayor's job to shepherd everyone in one common vision, and we don't have that right now. I can't tell you how many meetings I've gone to where residents are frustrated to hear this person's doing this project, this person's doing this project, and people are like, I just want to be safe. And so you need an executive that says, how do we put our hands around this? We have 400,000 people with a criminal record, and many of those people have been sentenced to a lifetime of poverty because we failed them at high school, they've come out of jail, and we're not providing the training for today's jobs and supporting an expungement process for their criminal records where we saw young men get overcharged. We know the next shooter, and we know the next victim because we have failed them in school or in our system. Our system is not built to support these young people. Pastor, if one of these young men, and I can't believe that they would feel so hopeless that they will shoot folks without a concern of, of, around life. Think about how that, that shooter feels. It's like, if my life is hopeless, I don't care about this other person's life. But we have not supported these young people, and we're not prepared. If a young 17-year-old walked up to me and said, Councilwoman, I want to get out of this life. How are you going to help me? We don't have a system built for that. And we got to build a system for that. We got to get these young men to put down their, their guns and say, what, how do I break intergenerational poverty and violence? And who's going to support me in that journey so that I can have a life of dignity? 400,000 people with a criminal record, they need our help. The system, the courts, the public defender's office, if you talk to our public defender's office that do an amazing job, they will complain that they don't have enough to support young people when they come through the system the first time, let alone the second, third, and fourth. So that's what a a Quinones Sanchez administration would do. It's a recognition that the police department needs to reform. We have a deployment challenge over there. We need to professionalize. We need to support good police officers, get rid of, you know, the ones who don't want to be there and recruit a whole new cadre of officers. But at the same time, we need to invest in people. We decimated the organizational infrastructure in the African-American community under the guise that we didn't have money. 
Well, it's going to take us a while to build that up. And the $155 million from last year, the $185 million from this year, the city council put on the table is a deposit for how we readdress the structural challenges and how we have divested from these marginalized communities. So there is a path to this. If we center among, if, by people, for people, particularly our young people. Policing is something you talked about, and I want to address that issue with you right now. Uh, number one, I was shocked when I saw the most recent reports of actually how many police officers we have in a city of almost 1.6, 1.7 million people. That The number is abysmal. Uh, with all of the officers leaving, and as you say, with the major recruitment challenge. But I want to talk also about the pre-police officers that are on the beat now. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I, in Frankfurt, uh, there are cars posted on every corner. And I'll say the same thing to you that I've said to Commissioner Outlaw, that I've said to Councilmember Gilmore Richardson, I've said to the mayor, uh, that I've said to others. But they sit in the car. Why are they not moving in the neighborhoods and getting to know the people? One of the issues that we have is when crimes are committed, nobody talks because they don't trust the police. But if you have a police force that actually wants to engage with the community instead of sitting in the car waiting for something. I'm sorry, I get passionate about it, but it upsets me. Instead of sitting in the car waiting for something to happen, you might have a community that ends up embracing these officers. How do we get them to understand they've got to make a pivot in the way that they handle our communities? Well, you know, we are down about 1,600 police officers, and we, of the 6,500 police officers that we're funded for, and we have another 600 police officers that are in the heart and lung medical leave program that we've all read about the abuse, right? So we got to definitely audit that. If you're not sick, you won't be a police officer, we need you out on the street. We need a deployment strategy. How, how do we get folks to look at community policing? It's a retraining issue. Under the Nutter administration, the Justice Department came in at Ramsey's request, and there was a big report that was um, prepared that talked about de-escalation ta- tactics, that talked about community policing, that talked about what, how we could reform the police department. Well, guess what? We started instituting some of those. I was on the police oversight board. I served along with a couple of my other colleagues, including Councilmember Jones, who is chair of public service. And the first thing the Kenny administration does when they come in is they dismantle it. They dismantled the board that was working with the federal government to say, how do we do this? What do we need to do around training, right? How do we recruit and screen out candidates who want to come in and are not scared. They're in their cars because they're scared. You're absolutely correct. They're scared. I say it all the time. But, Maria, here's the other piece. We've got to start recruiting officers in the communities to serve the communities they come from. And I know that sounds like it's easier said than done. But at the end of the day, folk are going to respond to folk that, that have a shared background, right or wrong. No, I, not only do I agree with this, you know, that I will debate, challenge, legally dispute with the FOP so that we set up a system. All of us know folks who wanted to become police officers who wouldn't pass the background check, right, who didn't pass one of these. And some of, some of the reasons were because 
They may have known someone who sold drugs. They may have known someone who got shot, right? When they do these background investigations, there's a level of discretion that requires us to really look at and say, do we want to lay discretion on individuals? Do we want to create a process that's transparent? You know, I grew up in Hunting Park. If I, I would not pass the background investigation at the police department because if they asked me, do you know someone who shot someone? I would have to say yes. Do you know someone involved in illicit drugs? I would have to say yes. You know, if you go through the list that that PDQ background investigation has and you ask that of me, I wouldn't pass the background. Wow. That's the reality of when you live in recent hunting park. That is the reality when you live, you know, now where I live in South Kensington. So we have to fight, debate, and really restructure everything. Some of it is state-mandated. You know, we need state legislators to give us some tools around arbitration and other things. But I ultimately believe, because I work with a lot of officers. I, I said when we started this interview, I did a peace rally today on 4th and Lehigh through Fairhill. Um, with several public schools and all of the East Division commanding officers. So I had young people, police officers, and we were marching in the streets saying, we want books, right, not guns, and all of those things. I know good policing, right? I know and I work with good police officers who are trapped in a bad system, and it's time that we fixed it, we professionalized it, um, we gave them the training and the tr- tools, and then we supported them when they do good work, right? There's too much this fear of, you know, we just want to go after bad police officers, and we should, but we also need to support good officers and young officers that are coming in. Just today, there was a graduation of 70-plus police officers, new cadets. Those cadets, Pastor Mason, are coming to East Division, one of the most challenging areas to do their foot patrol, because we know that's where they got to start. They got to understand that in Kensington, there are a lot of great people doing great work and they're resilient and that they are there to protect and serve them. Philly's favorite listeners, don't you dare leave your radio dial or leave the app. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. You're listening to Philly's favorite 100.7 FM. We're talking to former city council member Maria Quinones Sanchez about her upcoming run for mayor of the city of Philadelphia. Uh, Maria, I know we've got limited time. I just want to touch two more topics, and then we'll let you go on to doing all the great things that you do. Um, And I'll be back every single time you invite me, okay? You know I appreciate it. You know it. Here's the deal. The pandemic highlighted the inequities in the educational system in this city. The pandemic highlighted the, the buildings and the issues that we have with the buildings in our city. How would your administration reimagine education in the city of Philadelphia? Because to be quite honest with you, in all honesty, our kids lost two years with this pandemic. Yep. And we got to right-size them, but we also got to look out for the next group that's coming up. How would you reimagine education in Philly? So as right before the pandemic, uh, Councilmember Janie Blackwell, who was not reelected, who had been chair of education for 20 years, when she stepped down, I reluctantly agreed to become chair of education. And I did it because, you know, we finally got in local control that people fought for, you know, mayoral appointed board. So we have had a new board. And I said, OK, how do we now have a conversation around education attainment? 
inclusion and inclusive um, curriculum? How do we have that conversation? And I really wanted to be part of that. And Pastor Mason, what COVID hit us, and then you saw this exhaustive debate about the buildings. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the buildings are not old. I went to McClure on Six and Honey Park. It was built in 1906. It is in great condition, but we had to do lead removal. We had to do asbestos removal. We had to work with the community members who were up in arms, and the building got fixed. What we need to do, right, and that started this conversation with the school district as well, you know, under the leadership of Council President Clark, and it would be the first thing I did, I do, uh, when elected mayor is, I believe the school district needs a school building authority. It needs to create an authority where we bring the best practices and we infuse money so that there are people who know how to fix buildings, focus on the building. So Dr. Wallington and the school board can focus on educational attainment. It's sort of, but if you go to a school board meeting, 80% of the conversation is about the building. We need to have a building plan. We need to say, we got to knock down a lot of school buildings and we got to build a lot of new school buildings, but there should be a good K to eight school a public school or a public charter in every neighborhood, and high school options should be robust so that young people, whether they choose a comprehensive school or a CTE school, go to their high school of choice. We can get there. The adults in the system, the rules in the system make it tricky, but we got to hold people publicly accountable to their roles in that. How do we support principals and train principals? How do we support teachers and train new teachers? How do we get diversity in teaching? Every single study tells you that if a child has a person of color in front of them at some point in their academic career, they achieve greater achievement. That's a data set that exists. Why aren't we running all over the place saying, how do we get more black and brown teachers so that our kids see themselves and their teachers, and academically achieve. Shame on us if we can't do that. The data tells us what we have to do. we got to build capacity to fix these buildings and give these young people 21st learning um, uh, buildings. And I would say to you, I would add, you know, in, prior to coming to council, when I was director of Asida, I ran an evening school at Edison High School. I had 300 adults, many parents of the kids at the school, getting their GED, finishing their education after school, at night. we got to go back to that. we got to say school buildings are anchors. They're anchors for recreation, but they're also academic anchors, and they're going to help us do the work we need to fill the, the skills gap that exists in our workforce. We could do that. There's nothing to me more important than getting those school buildings open and accessible not only to the young people, but to their parents. All right. Here's the one, and I'm going to ask every candidate that comes on okay. or every potential candidate. The city of Philadelphia has been democratically run for a very long time. So it could be said the Democratic Party has been in control. Your team has been the home team. But yet when we look at Philadelphia— Every year we're breaking records for, for, for murders, for crime, for violence. Poverty levels are a challenge. Education is still an issue. 
we, we, we've got a lot of challenges. This is a great city. I love our city. But we got a lot of major issues. What's going to change? We got to own that reality, right? I will go even further than what you're saying, right? Not, not only has the party been in, in charge, although I, I've not ever gotten party support because I am vocal and very independent. I believe my, the party is the people I serve, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I agree with you. They're, the majority of the council people right now are black and brown. And we got to take our power. We got to say we will no longer accept racism, structural racism. COVID told us when there is a lack of access, people will die. And people died during COVID. Every black and brown person became an essential worker. If you lived in my district, Southern Council Medic District, 10L stops, you didn't have the luxury of working from home. You all of a sudden became an essential worker and you kept this city running. So we have to take our power and say, no, we want elected representation that has a certain lived experience, who is not just sympathetic, but is going to be an advocate and a cheerleader for what we should be doing. And when we invest in neighborhoods, we have to stop saying it's an expense. When we invest downtown, oh, it's an investment. Oh, you look at the conversations about a stadium. We'll find the money for a stadium. But when I have to build the Frankfurt Transportation Health Center, it's sort of like, well, that's too expensive. Why? Why can't Northeast that has needed a health center have it and have it located in Frankfurt? We, we got to change the narrative and the conversation. Black and brown people elected have to change that. And our white allies, you're an ally. Don't come save me. Come support me in doing what I know is necessary to do in our community. Former City Council Member Maria Quinones Sanchez, listen, we are going to have you back during this campaign. Uh, I want to thank you for the work you have been doing. Uh, And we certainly want to pray God's strength to you uh, as you move forward. We're going to interview all the candidates and give them a platform, but I want you to know if we can ever be a blessing to you as you continue to do the work God has set you to do, we're right here for you, ma'am. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you so very much. Look forward to coming back and to the conversation and the campaign. Thank you very much. I want to just lastly say that Ketsi Lozada, who replaced me on city council, was my former chief of staff, uh, former supervisor to state representative Jason Dawkins. <laughs> uh, they, she also lives in Frankfurt. So the council person in the 7th Councilmatic District lives and is from Frankfurt. Um, I want folks to know that she is better prepared than I was on day one, and I've left everybody in really good hands. Okay, all right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, and we look forward to speaking and hearing from her. And again, ma'am, best of luck in your uh, endeavors, and we'll be right here for you, all right? Thank you so much, Pastor Mason. Talk soon. All right, be blessed. And we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. And again, we want to thank former city council member Maria Quinones-Sanchez for coming into the pastor's office today and talking to us about what Philadelphia would look like, how Philadelphia would be impacted by an administration led by her. Uh, We've got a lot of people running for office but I, I really want to appeal to each and every one of you to get engaged, to get educated on the issues, 
trying to make sure that you get in the presence of these candidates and ask them good questions. Because Philadelphia is at a pivotal stage in its history. So many negative indicators are on the rise. And as we look to make a decision about who the next mayor, the 100th mayor of the city will be, we've got to make sure we put the right person in that seat. I absolutely believe that there are solutions to the problems that we're facing as a city. I absolutely believe that a concerted effort towards community policing, real community policing, will help change the paradigm of crime and gun violence in our city. I absolutely believe that money has to be invested by any means necessary. Desperate times require desperate measures. Money has to be deployed into our school system. Upgrades. There was a lot of retrofitting done during the pandemic. We now have to sure enough upgrade our buildings and create learning environments where our students, our young people, our next generation of leaders can learn. I got to be honest with you, I'm scared. Not scared, I'm a man of faith, so let me retool that. I have great concern about our future. We've got great young people, great hearts, great mind, great character. But we have to equip them to lead. They have to be learners. And I believe that our system has to be retooled to create scholars, to create learners, people who want to go on and further their education and be greater. Man, I tell you, when I go to the store and pay for my items and get change, you'd be surprised how many times I have to correct the young person. And the machine is right there to tell them what to give me. But they have challenges counting. I remember when I grew up, I remember when I was a kid, we used to have to play math games in class. Call it flash. I know how to count in my head. I don't need my fingers and my toes. My generation, our generation knows that. We got to help our young people. And as I told the city council member, former city council member, yeah, many of most of our kids lost two years with this pandemic. How do we help them? How do we arm them? Philadelphia's at a critical stage in its history, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm encouraging you, get engaged, stay committed, stay involved, and let's make the right decision for the next mayor of this city. I want you to pray for us as we prepare to depart for Jackson. The issues still exist. Don't let anybody fool you. Folk in Jackson aren't drinking that water. They need to fix their issue there. It's going to take a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort. So we're going to take almost 100,000 pounds of water down there. 
to be a blessing to those individuals. So pray for our traveling mercy. Pray that God allows us to get there safely, do our job, and return home to our city, to our families, to our churches, and continue to do the work he's called us to do. I'll update you next week, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about the trip, tell you about our conversations with city officials, uh, and I'll tell you about the distribution uh, of water in the city of Jackson. Until then, have a great, great week, and always remember this. Never leave the presence of the Lord because he has everything that you need. God bless you, Philly. Talk to you next week. Political, spiritual, maybe some laughs While you're while listening to Phyllis Favors yeah. Take a minute, turn the radio yeah. up And take a seat in the pastor's office Right Grab the frequency, yeah. tune in, get up word With Reverend Jonathan Mason Oh yes, you should Take a minute, turn the radio up And take a seat Son.